Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, Revo? My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to see you. Uh, Was anybody uh, here last week at the baptism service? (laughs) Straight up bonkers. If you missed it, that's a shame on you. Uh, You missed a a cool service, man. We celebrated life change at our North Campus last Sunday, so if you came here, I apologize. It was probably lonely, Um, but we're pulling for you. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Man, we're just just incredible to see what God is doing uh, in our midst and uh, just really, really honored and and humbled to be a part of it. So thanks for hanging out with us today and uh, crashing the party. We're in the middle of this series on faith called Unseen. We we get that definition from Hebrews chapter 11, uh, where the author describes faith as assurance of things that are yet to be seen. And so uh, our faith involves things that are unseen. If, if we had already seen it, then it wouldn't be faith, it would be reality, right? And so we're looking at these different characters, some of these heroes of the Bible found in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're going to talk about something today that I am ashamed to, to, to know this, but I've only preached uh, in, in, our past, in our past four years, Revo has been um, here in Winston-Salem. We've only done this two times. Only two times, and as I was studying for this particular story, uh, I mean, I even began to dream about, like, we're going to have to do a whole series on this in the spring, but we're actually, there's only two times that I've ever preached uh, where the main character of the sermon was a woman. And it was, it's Mary, right? And that doesn't even count because you have to talk about that at Christmas. And then we did a woman at the well, which wasn't a good woman to tell a story about. But uh, like there are so many women in scripture that have just huge stories, huge moments of faith. So many of these people in scripture, you know, sometimes it's easy to talk about the dudes and that, that maybe they're more, more uh, acknowledgeable as far as you've heard sermons or stories about them before. But uh, I think it's going to be cool. Maybe next year we'll do a series on just incredible women of scripture. So being the uh, equal opportunity preacher that I am, we're going to preach a, a sermon today on, on Sarah, a great woman of the faith. Uh, her name is mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11, so we're going we're gonna to get into that. Let me start here, though. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a patient guy, right, all things considered, right? I have two daughters, uh, so that only goes so far. Sometimes you want to slap them, but um, I'm a pretty patient guy. I let a lot of things slide. Um, you know, just lead a staff, so you got to be patient when you're leading uh, staff members, and, and uh, when you live a reckless lifestyle like I do, you got to be patient with yourself sometimes, right, when you get into trouble or do some crazy things, and so, but, but uh, so I'm a pretty patient guy, but there is one particular setting in my life that I don't know what it is, I don't know what happens, but when I get in this particular location, a switch flips and I have zero patience. Patience is out of the door. In fact, I become one of the most impatient people maybe on the face of the planet. In this particular setting, I know some people in here are going to be able to relate to this. This particular setting is when I get behind the wheel of a car. Okay, When I'm in the car, all bets are off. When I'm in the car... 
I forget that I'm a pastor. I forget that I love Jesus. Like, I, it's just crazy, man. I am totally impatient when I get behind the, car, behind the wheel of a car. And there are certain things that happen in this particular setting that make it just, I just lose it. It just goes over the top. Uh, one of the, the instances where I am the most impatient in a car is when somebody, and if it's you, mm, somebody gets in the left lane and they're going slow. That is when I begin to activate everything on my car. The horn, the lights, the windows. I will roll the window down and encourage you from my car for you to either move over or to exceed the speed limit if you're going to be in the left lane. I don't speed uh, from what you know of, but I am an aggressive driver, right? I'm an aggressive driver, so if you're in the left lane, do us all a favor. Pull over or speed up, right? Um, secondly, I guess, uh, the, the, the situation that I find myself in, that again, if you're an aggressive driver and you're impatient, it's like the double whammy, if that's you, then this puts you over the edge. This right here will make you lose your mind and say and think things that you're not proud of, and that is when you're in traffic. When you are in traffic, mm, man, that is the worst place to be. I will do whatever it takes to avoid traffic. I'm one of those guys where like if I pull up my GPS and I find that there's traffic, I don't know if you have one of those apps where it'll tell you if it's a wreck or traffic, I don't care if I have to drive an hour out of the way. I will drive a hundred miles around if I don't have to wait in traffic. If I, if I get in traffic and like I'm rolling down the interstate, one of the worst things to do is to come up over a hill and you see nothing but brake lights all in front of you on the, on the interstate like I'm I'm, I'm going to get off on the very first exit and I'm, I don't care if I have to drive through the country I don't care if I have to drive back to my house and get on my bike and ride it past the traffic I'm going to do it that is how bad I do not like traffic I was um, getting on 52 the other day uh, and and going from Clemensville Road got on the entrance ramp uh, to get on 52 and about halfway down the ramp I'm going like 50 miles an hour and I see 52 is a parking lot it's a wreck or something happens like, I was like, that's it. Slam on the brakes in the middle of the, you know, of the entry ramp. No tickets, all right? So no tickets. In the middle of the ramp, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not in traffic. I'm going back. So I put it in reverse, and I'm going up the ramp backwards, up the ramp. I got some police officer friends that I just noticed were here today. <laughs> I'm going up the ramp. Forgiveness comes from Christ. I'm going up the ramp. And like I'm going in reverse. I, like, I don't even care. I'm not getting in that parking lot. It's not happening. I'm not getting on 52. And people are trying to weave around me, and they're blowing the horn. I'm like, I'm rolling my window down. I'm like, I don't care. And Elizabeth's with me, and she's like, Nathan, you're a pastor. <laughs> Calm down. These people may know you. And I'm just like, I'm not going down there. And I'm like, and now I'm in the grass going up the ramp backwards, and my tires are fishtailing, and I'm just like redneck Dukes of Hazard style. And like, I'm just not. I cannot handle it. I cannot handle it. When I get behind the wheel of a car, I get impatient. And then I began to think, unfortunately for me, it's not just when I get behind the wheel of a car. Because if I'm anywhere in the car and we hit traffic, I just lose it. Uh, Elizabeth and I were driving the other day, and, and we come into traffic. And I just tell I look at her, I'm like, pull over. She's like, huh? I'm like, pull over. Pull over. Get out. I'm going to drive. I'm going to get in the driver's seat. I'm going to get us out of this. We're going to turn around. We're going to do something. I'm, I cannot wait in this traffic. Get out. Let me drive. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to get us out of it. And so we switch places, and she's like, okay, now, Nathan, calm down. Okay. Now, remember, don't, like, we're in the minivan. This is not your SUV. Our children are in the back. Don't, don't try to get in that median in the middle. 
and get stuck in that ditch again, okay? Don't, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want our kids to have to go through that again. We're in the minivan, not in your SUV, right? So I'm just like, I just cannot, I cannot handle it. And so, like, if you're an aggressive driver or, or if you maybe suffer from impatience, when I'm behind the wheel of a car or in the car, like, I just can't handle it. That's just, I guess, just one of, one of my faults. But actually waiting any time in life can make you angry, any time you have to wait, maybe there's a situation that you find yourself in that you're just like, this. my impatience level goes up. When I begin to wait, I just begin to get angry. I begin to think things and say things that, that I probably shouldn't. But, you know, if, if we're really honest about it, all of us get to that level and that place somewhere in life. And unfortunately, a lot of those situations are a lot more impactful than sitting in traffic. Uh, a lot of the things that we find ourselves impatiently waiting on in our lives is more than just a wreck or a traffic jam. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're, you're waiting for God to reconcile your marriage or relationships that you have right now. And you're praying maybe your spouse doesn't know Jesus and you're praying that God would save them. You're praying that God would mend relationships. You're praying that somehow it would be worked out and you're seeking God and you're crying out to him and maybe it's been tireless, countless nights of no sleep and, and yet here we are and nothing's changed. It doesn't seem to have made any progress. Maybe you've got family members that are dealing with an illness. Maybe it's a, a terminal illness. Maybe you've had friends or family that have suffered for long periods of time in your life. And here's the deal, though. Like, you have the faith. You know that God can heal them. You know that that's well within his realm of expertise, that he's done it before and that he can do it again. And so you pray and you call out and you say, God, I have faith. I know that you can do it. And, and slowly you, you see their life, their quality of life continue to diminish and this debilitating disease overcomes them. And, and so many times in our lives, despite the faith that we have, a person dies. And here we are, waiting, waiting, praying, calling out, crying, seeking, doing whatever we can, waiting for God, and we got nothing. The very thing that we asked for, those results were, were not produced. Maybe it's financial for you. Uh, maybe you're in a tough spot financially, and you're just praying, like, God, I need some help. I need for you to deliver for me. I'm trying to honor you with my money, God. I'm, I'm tithing. Maybe, maybe you just started tithing this year in the last few weeks, and then, like, all of a sudden you realize, you, like, your money situation has not gotten any better. Like, God didn't miraculously just make $100,000 appear in your bank account overnight because you decided to be faithful and to, to give God your finances. And maybe it's a job that you've been out of for an extended period of time, and you're, you're praying, you're, you're hitting the streets, you're, you're doing everything you can, and you're, you're trying to be patient, but here we are, weeks, months, maybe even years later, and we're still knocking. Hey, God, you, you there? Hey, God, I'm, I'm calling out to you. I got the faith. I know what your word says. I know you've got a promise. I know you've got a, a purpose for my life. But here we are, and nothing is happening. No, no progress is being made. And waiting oftentimes leads to us being angry. Waiting oftentimes also leads us to worry, right? 
We wait, we pray, we call out to God, and nothing happens. And the longer we're on that track, the more we start to worry. God, are, are you there? God, are you still in control? God, do you remember what your word says? Do you remember your promises? Do you know how much faith I have in you? Do you know how much I trust you? When is this ever going to be fixed? Is it going to get any better? Why hasn't anything changed, God? I'm calling out to you. I'm doing everything that I know how to do. And, and our impatience turns to worry, and it turns to anxiety. And then, ultimately, this is the story. When you have impatience, you begin to worry, and you begin to be anxious about it. And eventually, it'll get to a point where worry and impatience leads to control. All right, God, if you're not going to do it, I will. If you can't make it happen, then I will. I'm tired of waiting on your plan. I'm tired of waiting on you to do it. So God, give me the reins. Let me take the steering wheel and I'll drive for a little bit. I'll get us out of that. And, and in our spiritual lives, it often plays out like it does when I'm driving with my wife and we hit traffic. We end up looking at God saying, get out, pull over, pull this thing over. I want to drive. I'm going to get us out of this. Give me the wheel. Give me the reins. I'll take control. Like, God, I will fix it. I will handle it. I will do what we need to do in order to make sure. Like, I know, God, you've promised things in the Word. I know you've got a purpose for my life. I know you've got a calling. I know it's going to be significant. But here's the deal. I'm tired of waiting on your plan. Let me do it. Impatience leads to worry and anxiety, which ultimately calls us to pull control away from God. That's ultimately the story of Sarah that we're going to look at today. And, and here's, here's my challenge to you. Here's, here's what I want to warn you about. I've seen it too many times in my life. This is one of the biggest instances in life where people turn away from God and walk the other way. Man, when your faith is challenged to wait on God... When your faith is challenged in a way where you ask God things and you call out to him and you pray maybe for years and it seems like he doesn't answer and doesn't give you what you want. Man, faith, your faith will struggle at, at no other point more than it will struggle when you understand that waiting and faith go hand in hand. In, in Sarah's story, we realize that faith and waiting collide. And we're going to read about this story. Man, so many people's lives have been messed up because of this. So many people have turned their back on God because God didn't act on their timeline. And God didn't do what they wanted him to do at the time in which they wanted him to do it. And they say, fine, God, you're obviously not there. You're over your head. You have no idea what you're doing. And so I'll take it from here. So I want to pray for us right quick as we, as we look at this, this story in Genesis chapter 16 of a woman that turned her back on God initially and said, I'll take control. I'm tired of waiting and the results that it had on your life. I don't want you to wreck your life. I don't want you to wreck your faith. I don't want to see you turn your back on God because we're unable to see the importance of his plan and his timeline in our lives. Let me pray for us right quick and then we're going to get into Genesis 16. Uh, God, you're good, you are on your throne, you are in control, and not only do you have a purpose for our lives, but you've also got a plan. Um, God, it doesn't always line up with our plan, it doesn't always happen in our timing, uh, we can't always explain it very quickly, sometimes it takes hindsight to look back, but God, I'm, I'm confident that our plan is never as good as your plan. 
that your blessing and your plan for our lives is worth waiting on. It is worth leaning into you. It is worth focusing on you to keep us from derailing our lives and sinking our faith. So God, this morning, may we learn from the life of Sarah. God, may we, may we learn what it means to give over the control to you, to put our faith and our trust in you, to be able to wait in you, to find confidence in you as we try to navigate this life that we're in right now. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your app, you can flip open to Genesis chapter 16 or, or your Bible as well, and the words will be on the screen. So here's the story of this, this woman named Sarah. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Let me stop right there. If you weren't here two weeks ago, we introduced you to Abraham. God made Abraham and his wife Sarah a huge promise, right? They're very old in their age, but they looked at, God looked at them and said, I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to let you guys have kids, and this will be the start of a huge family that will love and worship God. In fact, God says, you will have more descendants. You'll have more people in your family tree than the stars in the sky and the sands that are on the seashore. Like, that's a big family, right? And so God makes that promise, and God says, if you follow me and you trust in me and you put your faith in me, then that's the promise that I'm going to fulfill. Now, fast forward to Genesis chapter 16. We read that Sarah has not had any kids yet, and here's the deal we got to realize. This is 10 years after God made that promise. 10 years and no kids. 10 years and no progress. Ten years and nothing. God, are you still there? God, do you even care? Do you remember what you promised me, God? Do you remember what's going on? Imagine how difficult it would have been to take, a, take a step out on faith that Abraham and Sarah did, only to realize that ten years later, God's promise has still not been realized yet. Ten years later. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to her husband Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of his wife, Sarah. So Sarah looks at Abraham and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'm tired of waiting. God made a promise, and I'm still not pregnant. God told us if we took a step out on faith, then he would provide for us. Like He promised, man, maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're realizing, hey, God, I can read your word. I know what you've promised. I know what you've said. I know what you've told me. But maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, it's been 10 years, nothing yet. <laughs> I'm getting a little impatient, God. I'm a little bit tired of waiting. Well, this is where Sarah is. So Sarah cooks up her own plan. She looks at her husband. She has this, this, this servant that is really close to her, almost like family. And she says, hey, God promised us that we were going to have kids. And obviously, I'm getting too old. She's 75 years old at this point. She says, I'm too old to have kids. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Impatience leads to worry, which leads to control. She says, I'll take the reins, God. I'll figure it out. I'll do it. Abram, this is what we're going to do. Why don't you go sleep with my servant? All right, because so, she can still have kids. She'll have a son. Then we'll, we'll have it. And that's our son, right? That's our game plan. And so that's exactly, it says, Abraham listened to his wife. 
I would suggest doing that most of the time, but this was a poor time. This was a poor time that he listened to his wife and did what she said. And sure enough, they, the, the woman, Hagar, the, the servant, got pregnant. They had a little boy, and they named it Ishmael. So uh, finally, Sarah's like, all right, well, it was, God, it was your purpose. It was your promise to me. But, but I decided to implement my plan, and I decided to kickstart this nation-building thing. And finally, we have this son named Ishmael. i I, I got to do it myself. You want something right? Might as well do it yourself, right? So she took it out of God's hands and into her own hands. And see, this is something that you and I need to remember. See, when you take control of something, it is now your responsibility for the outcome. right? Somebody else is in control. It's not your responsibility. But when you decide to take control of your life, then you are responsible for the outcome. And in many people's lives, here's what happens. We get that confused. We take control away from God, and then our life wrecks, and it's in shambles, and then we will turn around and blame God for where we're at. Nah, that's on us. You are responsible if you are in control. If your life's in God's hands, it's up to him. Let him be responsible for it. He's responsible for what happened. Sarah took her own life into her own hands, and so she becomes responsible for it when when her life blows up. And that's exactly what it does. If you read throughout Scripture, this one decision to take control away from God had a drastic effect on her life. Right after Ishmael was born, Sarah looks at her servant and becomes bitter. She becomes jealous. She resents what was once her closest friend, her closest employee really and she the the relationship is is terrible now the son grows up Ishmael and and he's an outcast to the rest of the family no one else likes him gets kicked out Abraham gets caught in the middle of this weird biblical love triangle and so he's dealing with this servant girl named Hagar and then he's dealing with his wife and the kids that they have from both relationships and like it's just a mess man Sarah's one decision to take control away from God in her life had a bunch of consequences and, and, and listen to this. What if I told you that even her decision that she made thousands of years ago is still having an effect on us today? Have you looked at the news lately? Because here's what many theologian, theologians and scholars will, will tell us, that if you want to trace the Jewish uh, faith, the Jewish people, back to a certain point, they trace it back to Abraham. It's Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. But also, if you want to, some, some theologians believe that if you trace the, uh, a certain portion of the Arab population back, and specifically as Muslims proclaim, the, the, the faith of Islam, you can trace it back to Abraham, Hagar, Ishmael. Do you understand what's going on in the Middle East today? <laughs> Many of the Arab Muslims hate Israel, they hate the Jews. They, they don't get along. Like, what's going on in Israel right now? Benjamin Netanyahu says, anybody that messes us, we will, we will wipe them out. We will retaliate. And then you got people like Iran looking at Israel and saying, we hate you. We're going to nuke you. We're going to blow you up. Like, there's never going to be peace in the Middle East. Do you understand this? Like, it'll never happen. It's, it's the, the, the heads are beating against each other. And you want to know where that started from? Most theologians look and say it stems from this. One, one decision One time that Sarah took the controls and the reins away from God, and here we are thousands of years later still dealing with the fallout. 
Millions and millions and millions of dollars spent, millions of lives have been lost as a result of that conflict, and there's no end in sight. You need to understand, when you and I make a decision to take the control away from God in our lives, there will be collateral damage. There will be consequences for when we say, God, I'm tired of waiting on you, I'm impatient, let me drive. Let me do what I want to do. Let me have my plan. We're seeing that play out so many times. It always ends poorly for us when we choose to take control out of the hands of God in our lives. And there'll be no doubt damage. So she takes control. Sarah decides, I, I'm gonna, I, I, like, I like God's promise that I'm going to have a family, but I'm going to take the plan into my own hands. I'm going to, to make this happen on my own. And so they have this son named Ishmael. You can fast forward to, to chapter 17. Um, God speaks to Abraham again in verse 15. And this is, this is what God said. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And here God reminds Abraham of the promise that he made. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. So God reminds Abraham, remember that promise that I made you, Abraham? Remember when I promised I would give you a son? Remember when I promised that your descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore? Remember that? Hey, I just want to remind you, Abraham, I haven't forgotten about that. I haven't turned my back on you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm not trying to figure it out on the back end. Here's the deal, Abraham. I have a plan, and the plan is getting ready to be put into place. I made a promise. See, here's a reminder for us. God is not only a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. And so God reminds Abraham, you remember that promise that I made you? I'm getting ready to keep it in my timeline and in my way. And so I want you to be excited about it. I want to tell you about it. And here's, here's Abram's response. This is, this is what he says in verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I've never told a joke before. Like, I don't know what this joke was that God told, but I've never told a joke before where people laughed so hard that they fell on their face. Do you understand how intense of a joke that is? Like, have you ever laughed so hard that, like, you just fell down on your face? That's crazy. But Scripture says Abraham was so tickled by that joke that God said, thought it was so funny that he fell on his face laughing. And when he finally composed himself, when he finally started, stopped snorting and, and, like, caught his breath and got up on his feet, he's like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, God. I'm a hundred years old, man. Have you read the health books that you get in elementary school? That's not how it works. My wife is 90. Is it even anatomically possible for her to have a kid right now? hundred years old, 90 years old. What are you talking about, man? Is this a joke? Like, are we on a hidden camera here? How, what, what are you thinking? This, this can't be how it is. This can't be the plan. And, and then Abraham has the audacity to say this. He says, hey, God, why don't, you, why don't you just bless Ishmael? I've already got a son. His name's Ishmael. Here, here's what happened, God. I got tired of waiting on you, so I took control away from you. And so now here's what I'd like for you to ask me to do. Instead of blessing your plan, can you bless my plan? They had never been there before. 
ever looked at your life and you just begged God, God, I'm not interested in what you want to do. I've already made the decisions. Can you bless it? <laughs> like, can you get behind what I've done? Can you ordain and anoint the decisions that I made? Like, can you just take, like, I was impatient. I, I, I lost trust. I didn't even know if you were still there. So I went ahead and lived my life. So please, God, now I'm going to need for you to bless my finances. I'm going to need for you to bless my marriage. I'm going to need for you to bless my family. You didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't even pay attention to you. But can you now bless it? It's exactly what Abraham says. Ishmael, I took matters into my own hands. I had my own son. I started my own family without you. Can you bless him? And God says, no. Here's a reminder. God blesses his plans, not our plans. God has a plan for our life. We need to remember this, man. God's got a purpose for you. God has a a, a calling that he's placed on your life, but that's not good enough for him. God not only blesses the purpose and the calling that he has on your life, but he blesses the plan in which he's going to take you to get there. Did you know that for God, it's not just the destination, but it's the journey that we go on? That he's trying to teach you things every day? That he has a plan for your life? It's not just some way off final destination cross the finish line. No, he has a plan for your life today. And he has a plan for your life tomorrow. And he's got everything written out. He's got everything planned in a way that will draw you closer to him. But too many times, people will lose their faith, turn their backs on him, take control over. And then we, and then we have the, the funny line of saying, now God, can you take my disobedience and bless it? Can you, can you take the fact that I turned and walked the other way and, and, and just reward that? And God says, no. God says, I've got a calling for your life, but I've also got a journey that I'm going to bring you on and that I want to take you on. The faith is not just in the destination for me and you. The faith is in the journey. We show faith every day. We show faith and we show trust in God that not only he knows where we're going, but he knows how we're going to get there. (laughs) Stay, Stay firm. I know some people in this room are still waiting. I know you're struggling with the nights that you've called out to God. I know that you're dealing with junk in your life right now that you've asked God to deliver you from, that you've asked God for insight, that you've asked God for help, and it may seem like he's not listening and he's not even there. But the story of of Sarah and Abraham proved that not only does God have a purpose for your life, but he knows exactly where he's going to take you. Every stop, every journey, every person, every day has a purpose to draw you closer to him. And one day you'll be able to realize the plan that he has. God looks at Abraham and and says, no, 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 I'm not blessing your plan. I've got a plan for your life. Your wife will bear a son named Isaac. You know something cool about the name Isaac? You know what that word means? Laughter. God's like, I'm gonna have the last laugh. God said, every time you call out your son's name, may it be a reminder of the day that you laughed at God because you thought something was impossible to him. Every time your son's being bad and you have to turn around and say, Isaac, whatever his middle and last name are, because that's what moms do when you get mad, Isaac, so-and-so, oh, laughter. Because I remember the time I thought that God couldn't do it and he proved me wrong. I remember the time that I doubted in God, but he came through. Remember, God is not only a promise maker, but he's also a promise keeper. And he looks at Abraham and says, every time you look at your son Isaac, you'll be reminded that I'm a promise keeper. You'll be reminded of the plan that I had for your life. You'll be reminded of the blessings that I wanted to show you. Laughter is what his name meant. In verse 21 
uh, or in chapter 21, we see the end of the story for Abraham and, and Sarah. The Lord visited Sarah, verse 1, as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time in which God had spoken to him. God delivered on his promise. What happened at the end of the story? Exactly what God promised. What details were included at the end of the story? The same details that God always promised. Faith leads to trust. If you never trust, you'll never wait. If you never wait, you'll never get to the life and the blessings that God has for you. It's all rooted in faith. You'll never trust someone if you don't have faith. If you don't have faith in God, you won't trust God. If you don't trust God, then you'll get impatient. If you're impatient, you'll get worried, and when you worry, you'll take control away from him. It all comes down to faith. It all comes down to, are you willing to put your faith in God despite the fact that things that you're praying for are unseen? Are you willing to trust him despite the fact that it looks like you're 100 and your wife is 90 and he's calling you to have a kid? The details that we see, I love in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll close here. Here's the two verses that we read about Sarah and the details that are here. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many of the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. I love those two details. In Scripture it says, you know what? The thing I want you to remember about Sarah in Hebrews 11, she was way past the age of having kids. You know the detail I want you to remember about Abraham? Dude was almost dead, all right? On death bay, looked bad, smelled bad, the whole deal. Almost dead. But God had a promise. And so he took a dude that was almost dead and a woman that was anatomically impossible for have a kid and God gave them a nation as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I wonder how many things we're facing in our lives that we laugh off and dismiss because we're unable to explain it ourselves. I wonder how many blessings in life that we miss out on because God promises, but we can't wrestle with the fact that this is not natural. It's not how it should work. It's not how I wanted it to work. It's not my plan. And so I'll probably just laugh it off and continue to do what I want to do. How many blessings do we miss out because of that? How many times do we have Ishmael and we have to be, find settlement in that instead of the blessings of Isaac because our faith whittles away? the two things in, in that verse that God chose to remind us. Remember, God is over the natural process. God can do more than what you expect. God can do more than what you can simply explain. And in verse 12, we realize the exact promise that God made is the exact same thing that happened. Thousands of years ago, God promised that he would make a nation from Abraham and Sarah. And here we are, thousands of years later, realizing that God is not only a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. Guys, I hope that today your faith would lead to trust, that your trust would lead to patience, that you know that not only that God has a plan and a, and a, and a purpose for your life, but there's also a purpose in the journey. That every day when we put our faith in him, we're looking at him and, and saying, God, not me. I don't want control. I want you to have control. I know you've got a plan. I know you've got something for me. I know the life that you've called me to is filled with great benefits. So, God, I'm just going to rest in the faith that I have in you.
And may faith lead to trust. May trust lead to patience in the most difficult times in life. And patience will lead to the blessing that God has for you.